part of that reading, I think, there is one of the themes that you can draw from it is, is about waiting for good news. If you think about it, there are only a few people who really knew kind of what was happening and could get themselves ready for the coming of Jesus. Mary's told by an angel. Joseph is told by an angel. And then Elizabeth, who's Mary's uh, cousin, and her husband, Zechariah, are also told about the things that are going to happen. Nobody else knew what was happening, what was about to happen. They were waiting for good news. They were hoping for... Sorry, I'm, I'm a bit all over the shop today. I've, I need some advice. Um, are any of you here mothers at all? Any mothers in the room? Yeah, okay. Um, what about... Um, are any of you older brothers or sisters? There's a few of you. Okay. The reason I need your advice is um, uh, one of our friends is, is pregnant and uh, she's asked uh, me and my wife if we can prepare an overnight bag for, for when she gives birth. And my wife has given me the job. Um, unfortunately, at Theological College, they don't teach us about maternity issues. Um, they teach us about the New Testament. So, um, so as a result, I've, um, I've got my nice, convenient overnight bag. Um, I think this, this is about the right size, isn't it? Um, and um, as a result, I've, I've, I've got some things together that the New Testament kind of gives me the idea might be useful and I, I just want your advice as to whether or not I'm being sensible or not. Firstly, of course, um, if, you, if you're pregnant, I think you've got to get the baby somewhere. So I thought, well, the obvious form of transport is a donkey. So, so I've got a kind of harness thing. That, that'll be useful. But yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, good idea. Harness, yeah. So that's one of the first things if if you're pregnant, you're going to need one of these, isn't it, yeah? Um, and then also, you've got, to, you've got to feed your transport. So rather than pet carrots, I thought, would be... Do you know, you're all starting to look at me as if I'm an idiot for some reason. I've, I've no idea why. Um, um, obviously, when, when she's given birth, we're going to want to make sure that the baby's comfortable. I think that's very important, isn't it? Yes, mothers, yes, yeah finest meadow hay. No, none, of, none of your rubbish straw, I thought. I thought, we'll go, we'll go quality here. Um, that, that, that'll be good, won't it? Because how else are we going to actually rest the baby and so on? And then also, what happens when it, when it does something a little bit unfortunate and has an accident? So I thought, some strips of cloth because they're mentioned in Luke's Gospel for, for wrapping a child up. So some, actually, it's a rather manky tea towel, but, but strips of cloth, I thought, would, would be... You know, you're all looking at me as if I've got the wrong end of the stick. The trouble is that, actually, if we're really honest, there are tens of thousands of children being born in circumstances where, actually, that might still be luxury, even today, 2,000 years on. Um, you lot wouldn't accept when you were giving birth that you would have put up with that. 
there were so many people who didn't know what was happening. So few people who were ready. And even though those few people were ready for the coming of Jesus, that was all they were able to offer. That was all they were able to get ready for Jesus, was you know, maybe a donkey ride, some straw, some strips of cloth. That was their getting ready. How are you getting ready for Jesus? That is not good enough, but there are tens of millions of children being born where actually that is probably all they still got to hope for. So maybe part of it is we need to think about how we can support those families better. But also let's remember that God was quite deliberate. He sent Jesus to be placed in a manger, to be placed amongst straw, with a family that loved him, but that was about all that they could offer to him. No palace, no hospital, no ambulance, no nice carry cot, no anything. God sent his son to be with the most desperate, to show them that he loved them. How are you getting ready for the coming of Christ? this Advent. Amen. Uh, Mrs. Glass would uh, very happily live without one of these, but I make her get one every year because I am committed to my Advent calendar in a very chocolatey kind of way. I I cannot do without a small chocolate heart every day. Um, Those of you uh, who have searched for Advent calendars will know that we've been very lucky to find one with Jesus on the front. Actually, the door's been opened. He's there, behind that door there. There he is. Uh, Now, we have door... um, What's the day today, junior school? Ninth. And that door has yet to be opened on my advent calendar. So, uh, if anybody would like some chocolatey goodness and open door nine... (laughs) Ah! Look at those junior boarders down there looking like they haven't been fed for days. Which is not true, because I went to their Christmas dinner, and I know how much they're eating. Okay, come on. Door nine's there. So we pop the door, open the door, pull off the foil. There you go. They packed the saddlebags, and Mary made the journey on a donkey. Good link. Excellent. Um, Advent's a little bit more, of course, than opening doors on Advent calendars and eating righteously fair trade chocolate. A bit more than that. Um, Normally on these services, I bring a puppet or we do something. I just want to tell you a story this morning, and it's a true story, uh, which is always the best kind. Um, Over the next few days at Kent College, we're going to be raising quite a lot of money for a particular charity. Uh, It's a Methodist uh, children's charity. It's called Action for Children. We're going to raise money when one of their workers came and told us in senior school recently this story. And it moved us greatly. And we said, we'd like to support you. So they've changed the names in this true story. But this is a story told by Sandy, who is one of Action for Children's workers. And she says this. 
At Christmas time, we at Action for Children, we deliver food hampers to families that cannot afford meals at Christmas. So I arrived at one house, and I knocked on the door, and there was no answer. And then the letterbox opened. And behind the letterbox, there were four little faces in the opening, peering out at me. I said, it's Sandy from Action for Children. The oldest child, who was called Tom, um, who was nine, uh, started talking with me because he knew me, he'd met me before, and I explained that I had a Christmas food hamper. And he opened the door to let me come in and help them bring in the food. Uh, Tom is the oldest in the family, he's nine years old, and uh, the youngest in the family is three years old, and Tom's mum is disabled. <clears throat> and today she hadn't been able to get out of bed. So Tom was looking after his siblings. And when Tom stepped outside the front door to help me in with the food, I saw that he had no shoes on. So I said, uh, well, Tom, you ought to put your shoes and socks on or you'll get cold. And he told me that he didn't have any socks. That broke my heart, says Sandy, because although I've been in this role for many years, it never ceases to amaze me how near the line some people live. When Tom saw the turkey that was in the food parcel, his face completely lit up. Such a wonderful feeling to see that reaction. He ran inside and started shouting upstairs, Mum, 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 we've got a turkey! He and his siblings were really, really excited. I went inside the house, and inside the house you would not know that it was Christmas Eve. There were no decorations, there were no lights, there were no presents under the tree. And when I brought the food in, I asked Tom if he was getting anything special for Christmas. And to this, he grabbed me by the arm, uh, took me outside to the, um, to the yard at the back of the house, and he pointed me to the hedge. And in the hedge at the back of the yard, I could see a string of old broken lights. They weren't plugged in, they were just stuffed into the hedge. And I asked him, what's that then? And he said, the lights are so that Santa will know where me and my brother and my sisters are. Well, they were lights that could not be turned on. Later that night, says Sandy, after I put my daughter to bed, I went back to Tom's garden. And I put presents under the hedge in the garden. I just wanted that family to have a really magical Christmas feeling, even for just one day. A few days later, says Sandy, I got a call from Tom's mum. She said, was that you? As soon as I said yes, she burst into tears and said Tom and his brothers and sisters had had the best Christmas day ever. He couldn't stop telling everybody how lucky they had been and how magical the day was. It's a moment, says Sandy, that I will never forget. It will stay with me 
and I know it will stay with Tom and his family too. Well, when we told that story at senior charities at KCN, they were all very old and very, you know, worldly-wise and all the rest of it, there were some tears going down some faces. It's a very important story because it, what, it, what it tells us is this. What Advent is about, what Christmas is about, is bringing hope to people. And every one of us can do that. We've done that this morning. We've heard about the hope that the Prince of Wales work brings into people's lives we are about advent is about jesus is coming is about bringing hope and when we bring hope into people's lives we don't just bring hope we bring freedom with it too because when you can hope for something when hope comes into your heart into your life it makes you free. It makes you free to do stuff and to believe stuff and to dream stuff that you couldn't do without the hope in the first place. And that reading from Luke, as well as being about waiting for good news, is about hope and it's about freedom.